would you continue your recusal since you've had, you know, so many of your clients are, are, are going to be working directly with this agency? No. Why would he do that? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That would be the right thing I to do. Right. This guy works for Trump. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Really? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and in Eureka on KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans' WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire, on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle, on KODX, in Goldendale, Washington, on KVGD, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, where I hope you are all voting on Tuesday, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950, KTNF. We also stream for you uh, all every day on the internets coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, ColeSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing planet Earth five days a week on those and many other fine affiliates who I hope all of you are supporting and grateful for. Uh, my name is Brad Friedman. I am your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. There are a couple of elections of note going on today. I mentioned I hope folks up in Janesville, Wisconsin, are voting like crazy today. Uh, we will have... Uh, whatever the reported results are on uh, tomorrow's broadcast, no doubt. Uh, most notably, there is a key election in Wisconsin on Tuesday, a very important one, in fact, for the state's Supreme Court, where a liberal-aligned justice has retired and the liberal-aligned candidate hoping to take her place is Judge Lisa Neubauer. She is running against the uh, GOP and Koch brothers-supported Judge Brian Hagedorn, who, among other things, has likened homosexuality to bestiality. That, among other disqualifying points of view, if uh, the liberal Neubauer wins here, the uh, Wisconsin State High Court will still retain a 4-2-3 right-wing aligned majority. Uh, however, next spring... On the same day as what is expected to be the very high turnout Democratic presidential primary in Wisconsin, another election for the Supreme Court will be held to replace a retiring conservative-aligned justice. And if the Dem-supported candidate can win that one, 
we will go from a four to three uh, right wing majority to a four to three progressive majority on the high court in Wisconsin. After a decade or more of GOP control of that court, that will finally be over. And uh, the court uh, that allowed for the very worst of former Republican Governor Scott Walker's anti-union, anti-worker agenda that court would then be replaced with a court that was much friendlier to progressives. Now that Walker uh, lost his election to Democrat Tony Evers last November. So Tuesday's election in Wisconsin is very important, particularly as the new state legislative and congressional maps will be drawn after the 2020 census. And uh, they're sure to be challenged all the way up to the state Supreme Court, no matter who happens to be in charge of uh, Wisconsin's incredibly gerrymandered state uh, legislature. Uh, this is one of the nation's most extremely partisan gerrymandered uh, uh, legislatures where Republicans have ruled for uh, a decade, despite, for example, last November, the Republicans received a minority of votes for the state's assembly, yet they somehow managed to win two-thirds of, uh, of the seats. So, important election in Wisconsin that we will unpack on tomorrow's broadcast with whatever results are reported, perhaps with uh, Wisconsin's favorite son, John Nichols. Will he be here with us tomorrow? Well, so far, so good. We'll see. All right. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe he'll join us. All right, some other elections underway on Tuesday, for example, in another key swing state for the 2020 elections, that would be Pennsylvania, where the results of a special election on Tuesday could serve as a bit of a bell, uh, bellwether for the 2020 electorate. There's a, a special election for a vacant 37th district state Senate seat in a very politically divided suburb of Pittsburgh where the sides are testing some national themes ahead of 2020's presidential election. The uh, contest on Tuesday pits Republican D. Raja against Democrat Pam Iovina for a seat that has largely been controlled by Republicans for the past half century. But the district is now viewed as increasingly friendly to Democrats the Republican Raja is a chief executive of an information technology consulting firm. It's uh, expected to be a, a low turnout race, especially for an off-year state, uh, state Senate special election. But it could give us at least some idea of the mood of the electorate right now. The Democrat Iovino is a Navy veteran who held a top U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs post. The winner will fill the seat vacated by Republican Guy Reschenthaler. Uh, he now serves in Congress. And in uh, recent days, this is interesting, in recent days, both state parties, according to KDKA TV in Pittsburgh, both state parties sent mailers linking the Republican Raja to President Donald Trump. Interesting strategy, that. Uh, I guess on the Republican side, linking him to Trump is a good thing. On the Democratic side, not so much. We will see what voters have to say about it. Uh, voters who were pointing out today, for example, Alyssa Owens saying, I think local elections are very important because they make the change from the ground up. 
She says, this is for us, for the little people, average, ordinary Pennsylvania citizens. Well said. Correct. Yep. That's why local elections are important. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones that really directly affect your life, too. Some, something that Republicans figured out long ago, but uh, Democrats have been slower to uh, realize how important those are. In this particular district in question, Trump won it by six percentage points in 2016. It's one of the reasons it's been represented by a Republican for about 50 years in the state Senate. However, in 2018, Democratic Governor Tom Wolf, who is not particularly popular in Pennsylvania, nonetheless, he won this same district by a double-digit margin in 2018. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday. Republicans in uh, the Keystone State currently control the uh, state Senate 26-21. So this does not necessarily change uh, control of the state Senate. But it will be interesting to see uh, when it comes to turnout and to give us an idea where Democrats and Republicans alike are post-2018 Pre-2020. Taking the temperature. Yep. That's Desi Doyen, by yes. the way. Did I say hello to you? Did I mention no. your name so people know who the hell you are, <laughs> that you're not some random lady who walked in here? But you did just now, so okay. I'm all set. Hi, Des. Hi. All right, let's see. What else? Oh, okay. Well, we're going to need you for this, Des. Uh, <laughs> some breaking news out of Texas today, and not some good news. Once again, breaking out of Texas. It has been a very bad month for residents in and near Houston, after a very bad year for the uh, largest city and municipal area in the state, in Desi's old home state, this on the heels of Hurricane Harvey, which devastated big swaths of the Texas city back in 2017, right? Yeah, well, and so they're they're still wrestling with that, still trying to come back uh, from that, and yet things keep getting worse for them in Houston. And again, today, local emergency departments are now responding to a fire at the KMCO chemical processing operation in Crosby, Texas, outside of Houston, as we go to air today. So we don't have a lot of details yet, but this facility is 24 miles northeast of downtown Houston. Do you know Crosby by any chance? Yeah. Early reports indicate Two people were injured, and one is so far unaccounted for, according to the Harris County Fire Marshal's office. Harris County Sheriff's office uh, later confirmed that one person had died. It is not clear, however, if that person was one of the two injured or the missing person, according to the Houston Chronicle. I don't know. Had you seen any later update on that? At this point, what I have seen is that one is confirmed dead and two confirmed airlifted medevac Mm. to hospital. So uh, as far as the disposition of the missing person, it's unclear if the person who is now declared dead, confirmed dead, was the missing person or if there's an additional person. They can't get close enough to the fire right now to be able to investigate. And that is uh, the broader problem. There is a shelter-in-place order right now issued for all residents within a one-mile radius of the plant, according to the Harris County Sheriff's Office, making me wonder, is is that uh, large enough radius, frankly? Well, gosh, Um, it's going to have to be because they're not telling anybody else outside of that. 
Residents are being advised to bring all people and pets inside to lock doors and to close windows, air vents and fireplace dampers. They're being told to turn off fans and all heating, venting and air conditioning systems. And then to stay in an interior room with few windows when possible and to try to seal gaps when possible. That's not scary at all. No. So whatever is uh, coming out of this plant, well, either they're being overly cautious, which is unlike Texas, or they know that uh, whatever is burning off of that plant is uh, quite toxic. School districts, including the uh, Crosby uh, School District, And uh, several others are sheltering in place. The Crosby School District also noted that it had turned off its heating, venting, and air conditioning uh, conditioning systems. And teachers have sealed doors when possible. Students will not be released to parents or buses until further notice. This was just within the past hour or so. KMCOs, that's the company, uh, their facility there in Crosby provides, quote, Specialty chemical manufacturing and toll processing services to many of the world's largest chemical companies. The facility has batch and this is according to their fact sheet at their website has batch and continuous distillation and multiple reaction capabilities, producing over 900 million pounds per year of toll manufacturing products. I'm not even sure what toll manufacturing products are. Are you? Uh, No, I have to see the spelling of it. But basically what I understand from the last press conference that I saw um, was that the officials at the plant are still trying to get a list of the chemicals that are being used at the plant and stored at the plant. They're trying to get together a list to then give to city officials. So I believe right now city officials are just being super cautious, as they should be, until they actually know what they're dealing with. And and this is something we've talked about in Texas uh, for some years, going all the way back to to the West chemical fire west yes. in west texas right uh the fact sheet for this company says that uh, some of their products are uh, glycol products antifreeze products brake fluid products oil field products cement grinding products but it was unclear what chemicals were on fire the uh, fact sheet also states that the facility has more than 180 full-time employees over 600 tanks 250 storage spots uh, I'm sorry, rail storage spots and 28 reactors. and uh, It's a massive plant. And the fact that the city, as you note, has to try to find out from the company what the chemicals are that are stored there, that's what we've been talking about going all the way back to West Texas. Right. When the, the, the locals who lived around this plant that blew up, I think, was it a fertilizer plant? Yes, it was then? a fertilizer storage area, and they only had, because they're a small unincorporated town, they only had volunteer firefighters. So when the fire broke out, the volunteers went there, had no idea what they were dealing with, had no uh, information about what was being stored there, and 17 of them were killed when it exploded while they were trying to put the fire out. And that was... The issue, the fact that Texas allowed these companies, not only allowed them, I think mandated that they keep it a secret as far as what is actually at these plants. Before, it was just 
uh, lax regulation. Oh, we don't care. Who, who knows? There's no problem. So why put a regulation there? Then after the West Texas fertilizer explosion, the Obama administration attempted to implement new rules saying, hey, you got to tell the first responders. You have to tell them what you're storing so they know what they're dealing with. So they don't put, say, you know, water on a fire that explodes with water. What? However, once those rules were put into place, then Texas sued and said, no, we don't want this. It's a it's a security, security. risk. National because security. If you tell terrorists what's going on, then they'll just target right. that, which, of course, we don't have any evidence of that actually ever happening. So it was actually Texas State Governor Greg Abbott yep. back when he was attorney general yep. when Rick Perry was governor. So as attorney general, Abbott was the one that reversed that order. And now because of current Governor Abbott, the public does not have the right to know or access the state database of inventories for these chemicals. So not only do the terrorists not know where the chemicals are, <laughs> the neither public. do the school children who are playing next door to that chemical plant or or the uh, the old folks home that uh, I almost blew up in that West Texas fire as I recall. Yep. So uh, anyway, whatever's going on in uh, Houston or near Houston today, this is the second actually the third such incident over the past two weeks, there was a chemical fire that broke out at the Intercontinental Terminals Company, or ITC, in Deer Park near Houston about a week ago. And that was either on the same day or the day after there was an oil refinery fire as well. But that chemical fire burned for a couple of days. They, got, they put it out, but in the process... The chemicals began leaking out into uh, storage ponds or something, and then they caught fire again. Right. And this, the entire mess made a huge, black, thick, toxic cloud that stretched all the way to... And burned for days. Burned for days. I think it went as far as Austin, if I recall. So not a good... Uh, it's couple not, of weeks. Yeah, and Houston. it's not a great idea to house residential areas right next to a chemical storage. No, no, tanks. it's fine. If you don't tell them that they're what the chemicals are, then they've got nothing to worry about. Silly you. Anyway, that breaking news uh, came too late for our Green News Report with Desi Doyen, which we will get to a little bit later. But there are a few related items that we cover in our GNR today. And as usual, in just six minutes, I feel that we were unable to adequately uh, cover them. Well, it's just for headlines to give you an idea of what's going well, on. Well, it's not a criticism, Des. You don't <laughs> have to take it personally. I'm just noting that there are... So uh, one of them uh, that I think needs some more uh, notice here, especially with everything else that's going on, that needs to be noticed, uh, is the pending final Senate approval of Donald Trump's new interior Department chief. By the way, Rick Perry, uh, the former governor of Texas, he's now overheading the energy department, yes. which when he took the job, he actually thought it had to do with oil and gas because he <laughs> fancies himself an oil and gas uh, expert. It actually has to do with the nation's nuclear supply. In any event, improbably, Rick Perry is still in charge of that department. But over at the Interior Department, there is a vacancy since the corrupt Ryan Zinke was run out of town. And uh, now uh, the new guy who had been the number two at the department 
Uh, yeah, I'll leave that. Uh, he'll he'll now be the number one at the apartment as uh, department. department as his uh, confirmation is now imminent. It looks like this is uh, Donald Trump's new Interior Department chief and a former oil and gas lobbyist who will now head the Interior Department. And I put the word "former" in air quotes for those of you who cannot see me on the radio. <laughs> Uh, his name is David Bernhardt, and he was voted along party lines out of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee last week. So his nomination now goes to the Senate floor. And now that there is no more filibuster for executive agency heads, Bernhardt, who has been serving as the acting secretary of interior since the resignation of the disgraced and corrupt Ryan Zinke, he, he had been uh, serving as deputy secretary at Interior since 2017. So now he's expected to sail through the confirmation vote, I guess, on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Yes. Any moment I now. I mean, because it's a Republican-controlled Senate. So, uh, But you should know who this guy is. He is not just an oil and gas, lo- gas lobbyist. He is the oil and gas super lobbyist. There was, well... Uh, Grist, uh, I'm sorry, this is from a Desmog blog, uh, notes that in October of 2016, candidate Donald Trump unveiled a package of government ethics reforms that he said would, quote, drain the swamp. You remember that in Washington, D.C. It included a ban on former federal employees lobbying the government for five years and stricter rules on what constitutes lobbying. Trump at the time was given uh, much too much praise uh, because he seemed to be promising to undermine the power of special interest lobbyists and restore government to the people. But as David Halperin notes at Desmog, uh, Trump's every move since being elected has been in the opposite direction. And note, by the way, the uh, the restriction on, uh, on on lobbying is after the uh, federal employee has left the government. Doesn't say anything about if you've uh, lobbied before coming into government. And that's one of the reasons why all of these lobbyists have now come in to Donald Trump's swamp. A former coal lobbyist, Andrew Wheeler, now runs the Environmental Protection Agency after the uh, corrupt and disgraced Scott Pruitt was tossed out of there. An ex-pharmaceutical lobbyist, Alex Azar, runs the Health and Human Services Agency. A former for-profit college lobbyist controls policy over at Betsy DeVos's Department of Education and many more. But last Thursday, the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee held their hearing to consider David Bernhardt, the former industry lobbyist, to be Secretary of the Interior. He's currently, uh, as I noted, the acting secretary uh, and the deputy secretary. He would replace Zinke. Uh, Bernhardt is less flamboyant than Zinke, but he is more skilled in the ways of law and government, uh, Halpern notes. Um, and in fact, uh, in, in terms of the way that money corrupts politics and policy, David Bernhardt, he says, is the ultimate swamp creature. So last week before the hearing, the, the uh, revelation from uh, Reveal, an investigative news service, and Politico working together on a joint report, uh, they revealed that there was a 2017 meeting 
of the Independent Petroleum Association of America, the IPAA, the big one of the big, uh, you know, oil lobbyist groups. Yeah. So the head of this group, Dan Nance, he's the uh, group's political director. He was recorded and Reveal has this recording of Dan Nance speaking for about an hour telling the hundred or so executives who were gathered there that then Deputy Secretary David Bernhardt, he was then the second in command at uh, Interior behind Zinke, that he was essentially their boy. Dan Nance said, quote, we know him very well and we have direct access to him, have conversations with him about issues ranging from federal land to endangered species to a lot of issues. He predicted uh, at the time that Zinke would be the interior uh, figurehead while Bernhardt would be the guy who actually got things done. He said what secretaries of interior do, they go out to Yellowstone, they go out to the Tetons. They have big vision for what they're going to do. But David Bernhardt, he told the crowd, is going to be the COO, the chief operating officer. David's going to move the pieces. David's going to be part of that. And we know him well, they said. Barry Russell, who is the CEO of the IPAA, again, the Independent Petroleum Association of America, bragged during the session about meeting with Zinke and with Scott Pruitt, who was then heading the EPA. He also noted that Bernhardt, while at the powerhouse D.C. lobbying firm Brownstein Hyatt, had been the one to lead IPAA's legal team that was challenging federal endangered species rules. He said, quote, the guy that actually headed up that group is now the number two at Interior. So that's worked out well, he said. And everybody in the room laughed and applauded, thought, isn't that hysterical? The guy who was challenging the uh, Interior Department is now the guy who's going to deal with these very issues. It sure did work out well for the International Petroleum Association of America. Uh, This guy is almost, well, now quite literally running the U.S. Department of Interior. That's the agency that decides what happens to U.S. lands, waters, animals, all the natural resources. During that meeting in 2017, the IPAA circulated a, quote, regulatory update memo. They listed five major environmental laws and regulations that they wanted to overturn as Donald Trump was taking office. Since then, the Trump administration has gutted four of those five targets. Four out of five on their wish list granted. So far, yeah. Uh, One of them was uh, aimed at limiting uh, water pollution from energy fracking. Uh, reducing climate change, causing methane gas releases. Actually, these were the things that they were trying to overturn that Obama had put in place, Uh, the reduction of the climate change causing methane gas releases. And protecting your water supply from fracking. Requiring uh, uh, restoration of public lands damaged by energy projects. Don't have to do that anymore, I guess. No, in fact, you you think, people, I believe, think that 
These companies are required to restore the land to some semblance of usefulness, at least biologically, for the environment. But no, they want they wanted that gone, and they got it gone. So they come in, they take these public lands, and they, they leave. crap all over them, and walk away. And leave the, the cost of cleaning it up to the taxpayers and the locals. So the Trump administration has, has, has taken, uh, has fixed that problem. For the for these companies. Uh, And the fourth one was holding energy companies accountable for harms to migratory birds. Well, we wouldn't want to do that. So we got rid of that one, apparently, as well. Uh, In another investigative piece uh, published in The New York Times last month, they revealed that since 2017, Bernhardt has been pushing at Interior to eliminate another environmental rule, one that he had long been paid to oppose as a lobbyist. This would be protection against destruction of a species of river fish. Bernhardt admitted to the Times that four months after joining Interior, he personally directed a senior department official to initiate an effort to weaken those protections in order to free up water for agricultural businesses. The same businesses, the very same businesses that Bernhardt had represented while a lobbyist at Brownstein Hyatt. Uh, That's the lobbying firm. Meanwhile, uh, that firm, Brownstein Hyatt, is now the second biggest earning lobby operation in D.C., with reported lobbying revenues rising to $31.5 million in 2018. And uh, between them, Bernhardt and other Brownstein Hyatt lobbyists, uh, since 2013, they've donated personally themselves almost $1 million to senators who will now vote on Bernhardt's confirmation for the interior job. What was that whole thing about drain the swamp again? Really? Uh, And yet uh, another report in The Times just last week shows that Bernhardt led an effort to block the release of a government uh, analysis of the dangers that various pesticides create for a range of endangered species and to replace it with a narrower approach sought by... Guess who? The chemical manufacturers. One of those companies, Dow in this case, uh, had donated $1 million to the Trump inauguration. And that particular swamp, which is now being uh, investigated by federal prosecutors, CNN has calculated that since Bernhardt joined Interior in 2017, the department has made at least 15 policy changes or proposals that would directly aid former, again, former is in quotes, former Bernhardt clients. Uh, David Halperin uh, notes that with revolving door uh, men like David Bernhardt running our government, Trump's promise to drain the swamp and to fight for every day, Americans are revealed to be, as someone might put it, a total and complete hoax. So they certainly are. So after those oil industry executives uh, were yucking it up that their man was now inside as number two and now he's inside as number one at Interior and that any need uh, to recuse himself from business that has to do with those companies, well, as per ethics requirement, uh, he responded to Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Democrat, although not exactly one who's tough on uh, environmental (laughs) issues. Not in the least. At last week's hearing in the Energy and Natural Resources, 
uh, committee in the Senate. Uh, Manchin asked him about this, and Bernhardt said it just simply wouldn't be fair to recuse himself from working with these companies. It wouldn't be fair to America. Seriously, that's what he said. Here's what he said uh, in this in this point where uh, Manchin asked about whether Bernhardt should be recusing himself from issues that he used to be paid to lobby for. I think you've been under recusal now for it runs off this August. Uh, would you continue your recusal since you've had, you know, so many uh, of your clients are, are, are going to be working directly with this agency? Well, I really appreciate that question. Um, when I when I think about this, one of the things I really think about is that I have a very particular skill set, strength, creativity, <laughs> um, judgment that that I'm basically handcuffed uh, and not in the game for the American people if I'm not if I if I am recusing myself. And I don't think that is is really the best strategy. So my view is is follow that responsibility through the period of time and then get in and be on the American team and, and win for the American team. I'm actually pretty good at going up against these guys and I don't have any problem with doing that. And so, you know, I would say you want your A quarterback playing for your team. <laughs> but what team is he on? Exactly. Whose side America, is he on? America. He said he's on America's side. He's going to be in there working for America and who he would who would otherwise be handcuffed without David Bernhardt's strength, creativity, his judgment. I I assume he means good judgment, although <laughs> uh, I don't think it's very good judgment to say, yes, I should be in there working with these people who have paid me millions of dollars over the years. I'm sure it sounds great to the guys at the industry lobbying group. Oh, they're still laughing. I hope somebody's recording them again. I'm sure they were watching that and laughing and laughing because it just wouldn't be fair to America to deprive us of David Bernhardt's great strength, creativity, and judgment. There's some of your swamp draining going on today. Let's take a quick break, and we will come back uh, <laughs> talk, man, uh, with some more breaking news. Uh, speaking of swamp draining, right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Lock her up, lock her up. Yeah, but is it really? Is it really? 
Uh, have the uh, Republican dupes who were uh, scammed and tricked into voting for Donald Trump under uh, premises like that uh, lock her up, lock her up. Hillary Clinton has put national security at risk. Her emails. Yeah. Has any of that uh, really gotten across to these people that they were scammed that Donald Trump and the Republicans never gave a damn about security, never gave a damn about national security issues that... Uh, her her private email server could have been getting out. They were so concerned about security. Well, if there was any doubt about their seriousness, the Republican seriousness on that, all of that should be completely blown away at this point. Now that we know what we know about the security clearance process or, frankly, lack thereof at the White House. We, we didn't have time to get to this uh, on our, our previous broadcast, so you probably uh, have heard about it, but I'll just try to review quickly. The White House, uh, there's a White House staff member has now told House investigators, a whistleblower, that senior officials overruled concerns raised about 25 individuals whose security clearances were initially denied Uh, over a whole range of disqualifying issues uh, when the uh, Trump administration came into office. Uh, Among the concerns were fears about foreign influence, potential conflicts of interests. The uh, security officials, the career security officials, warned of the grave implications to national security about these at least 25 individuals. According to um, Democratic lawmakers, a whistleblower who was working inside the White House told the House committee that senior Trump administration officials granted security clearances to at least 25 individuals whose applications had been denied by career employees. The whistleblower, her name is Tricia Newbold. She's a manager in the White House's Personnel Security Office. She told the House Oversight and Reform Committee in a private interview just over a week ago that the 25 individuals in question included two current senior White House officials, in addition to contractors and other employees working for the Office of the President The identities of the approximately 25 officials uh, who were issued security requests or provided with access to national security information uh, are not clear from the documents. Those who uh, whose security clearance was rejected and then overridden by senior uh, senior people at the White House, including as high as the president himself. Uh, but but Cummings does request uh, adjudication summaries, I guess, summaries of the adjudication for the security process for people like specifically mentioned John Bolton, Michael Flynn, Sebastian Gorka, Jared Kushner, KT McFarland, uh, Rob Porter, Ivanka Trump. Just some of the people uh, who Cummings, uh, as the chair of the Oversight Committee, is trying to get information on. The New York Times reported back in February that Trump had personally ordered his chief of staff at the time, John Kelly, to grant a clearance last year to Jared Kushner after he had been repeatedly rejected for same. Uh, Kelly recorded Trump's direction to him in a memo, according to several people who are familiar with its contents. Cummings has been trying to get at that memo as well. 
Trump has had denied playing any role any role in uh, Kushner's security clearance during an interview with The Times in the Oval Office a month earlier before that report which um you know could turn out to prove that Donald Trump is a liar. Shocker. I know. Anyway, this whistleblower, Newbold, uh, told the committee's staff members that the clearance applications had been denied for a variety of a variety of reasons, including, quote, foreign influence, conflicts of interest concerning personal conduct. Uh, you recall that the uh, White House uh, staff secretary, Rob Porter, uh, was eventually forced out after it was revealed that uh, he didn't pass security tests either because his two former wives had accused him of being abusive, beating them. Uh, also, financial problems were uh, reasons why some of these people were rejected. Drug use and criminal conduct. All of these things were used to reject these people that were then overridden by uh, more senior officials at the White House who did not follow the procedures designed to mitigate security risks. Only the best people. And again, remember, going back to lock her up, lock her up, lock her up, that was all because she had used a personal email server, which so far nobody has given any evidence was actually ever hacked by anybody. But, oh, she's giving away classified secrets. These guys don't give a damn about that. Obviously, clearly, Newbold, the whistleblower, had worked in the White House for 18 years under both Republicans and Democrats alike. She finally spoke to the Oversight Committee after her attempts to raise concerns with her superiors and the White House counsel went nowhere. So she basically feared for her job at that point. According to a summary of her March 23 interview with the committee's uh, staff that was distributed yesterday, she said, quote, I, f I feel that right now this is my last hope to really bring the integrity back into our office. Uh, White House officials had been very worried that she was either going to speak publicly or share information that she had gleaned about how the security clearances had been handled during the first two years of Trump's term. Uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings, um, the oversight chair, included information provided by Ms. Newbold in a letter to the White House counsel, who is now Pat Cipollini, uh, on Monday, again demanding that the White House turn over files connected to the security clearance process at the White House and make administration personnel available for interviews. Um the White House has been stonewalling them, uh, specifically stonewalling uh, a request for an interview with a guy by the name of Carl Klein. He appears to be the senior official who overruled the um, the career officials who had denied security clearances in all of these cases. Uh, Cummings has also requested summaries of the adjudication process and any related documents uh, for Kushner. Ivanka Trump, John Bolton, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and now on Tuesday, today, the House Oversight Committee voted to subpoena that Trump administration official uh, who had allegedly retaliated against that whistleblower, Neubauer, um, after she raised concerns about the decision to overturn 
approximately 25 security clearances. The subpoena is among the first issued under the new Democratic majority in the House, and it will go to that security office director, Carl Klein, who left for the Defense Department in January of 2019. Um, But Cummings had sought Klein's testimony since January, back when uh, this whistleblower first came forward, Uh, with the concerns about what Carl Klein had done to subvert the standard procedures for issuing security clearance. Um, At one point, uh, there was a hearing, the the hearing today to uh, vote on this subpoena. At one point, Congressman Jim Jordan, the Republican from Ohio, uh, he slammed the chair Cummings for forcing them to uh, come in on a Saturday Uh, for this uh, interview with this whistleblower and for sending a press release about the security clearance issue based on the testimony of one single witnesses. One single witness. Jordan said, quote, I've never seen anything like that. To peals of laughter, reportedly, from the Democratic majority side of the aisle, with Cummings saying, oh, please, yes, you've done it for years. (laughs) Yeah. Cummings Cummings said that Newbold, however, was scared to death. She was afraid, uh, sadly, of our Republican colleagues. And so the subpoena comes after Klein supposedly ignored two previous letters from the House Oversight Committee requesting his testimony. So we were we're going to see what happens next. Um, There will probably be a legal fight over all of this. Uh, During the Tuesday committee uh, meeting, by the way, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you've heard of her, uh, she cited the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner's alleged use of encrypted messaging, uh, an app called WhatsApp, in order to communicate, to text with the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed, Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, She said, what's next? Putting nuclear codes in Instagram DMs? Don't give them any ideas. Yeah, that's convenient. Wait, we could use Instagram DM for that? All right, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about all of this, naturally, on Fox News. And she called what the Democrats are doing to try to oversee this uh, flawed security process. Uh, She called it sad and shameful. Again, I, I, I don't know the individual, um, and um, I can't get into talking about sec- individual security clearances here at the White House because, unlike Democrats, we want to protect people's personal, uh, confidential information. Let's not forget, three million <laughs> Americans have security clearances that work for the government and. By exploiting one, you're exploiting all of their personal information. And no, I think Democrats know that. And I think what they're doing is dangerous. And I think what they're doing is sad and shameful. And America deserves much better than that. <laughs> it's it's sad, dangerous, sad and shameful. Uh, they're, they're not requesting the uh, security information for three million Americans, <laughs> much less releasing it. So but, you know, f- folks on yeah. Fox News that are watching Fox News, they won't get the difference. They won't know. They They'll won't just care. hear sad and shameful right. Democrats. What they're doing is dangerous. As a matter of fact, what is they're doing, what the Democrats are doing is a security issue to our nation. It's a matter of national security, what the Democrats are trying to do. 
When it's actually the complete opposite of that uh, when it comes. Uh, and we have one story that breaks uh, just literally before airtime. So we have I have very little information on this, but it ties into all of this, underscoring why, yes, this all matters. Secret Service agents arrested a woman at Donald Trump's Florida resort this past weekend after she was found carrying two Chinese passports and a thumb drive with malicious software on it, according to court documents. Prosecutors allege the woman, Yujing Zhang, first told security officials at Mar-a-Lago that she was there to go to the swimming pool And due to an apparent language barrier, staff at the club thought that she was a relative of one of the club's members. So I guess they just let her in, which to me seems like a security issue right there when you're talking about the place where Donald Trump goes every weekend. They just let her in. Uh, Once inside the grounds, apparently Zhang allegedly told a receptionist that she was there for a United Nations event scheduled for later in the day about Chinese-American relations. However, no such event was actually on the schedule, so the reception is called the Secret Service, according to court papers. Good for her. After Zhang was stopped and questioned, a search of her belongings turned up four cell phones, a laptop, a hard drive, and a thumb drive, which contained, quote, malicious malware, according to the criminal complaint. The document says she told Secret Service agents that a Chinese friend instructed her to travel from Shanghai to the president's Florida resort and make contact with a member of Trump's family. Authorities said that her initial claim to be headed for the pool, uh, well, she was not carrying a swimsuit. She's charged with making false statements to a federal law enforcement officer and entering a restricted area. We don't yet know why and for what reason and who actually sent her and what she was trying to do. But uh, many of these concerns about the uh, Trump security issues concerning guys like uh, Jared Kushner relate to a whole bunch of countries who have been heard talking about how easy it is to play Jared Kushner uh, and to compromise Jared Kushner and some of these others. So, yes, these security issues are important, uh, as we see once again today at Mar-a-Lago, and a hell of a lot more important than those BS locker-up, locker-up chants concerning Hillary Clinton's apparently very secure email. Quick break, and we are back with the Green News Report right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself... Thank you. Well, if you've been listening since the top of today's broadcast, you already now know the rest of the story, <laughs> as Paul Harvey used to say, concerning yes. uh, David Bernhardt. Uh, that we discuss briefly, along with many other items, in our latest 
Green News Report. Mr. Bernhard, I'm not claiming that you are big oil's guy. The big oil lobbyists are making that claim. Former oil lobbyist set to be confirmed as Interior Department Chief by U.S. Senate. Federal judge blocks Trump administration expansion of offshore drilling in the Arctic. White House tries unprecedented maneuver to jumpstart Keystone XL pipeline. Plus, let's just start right now. Dispatching myths and nonsense at the first ever Green New Deal town hall. All of those myths and nonsense dispatched straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. These guys have been spilling so much oil in the ocean. Somewhere there's a polar bear being accused of blackface. All right? (laughs) Seems only fair. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, as usual these days, things are looking pretty grim, except there's some pretty darn good news coming out of a court in Alaska. (laughs) Yes. In Alaska, a federal judge has restored a ban on offshore drilling across large parts of the Arctic Ocean and deep sea canyons in the Atlantic Ocean that had been implemented by President Obama. The decision immediately reinstates those protections, which had been reversed by President Trump in a 2017 executive order. The judge said the executive order, quote, exceeded the president's authority and that federal law allows presidents to withdraw waters from use, but not to reopen them. Only Congress can do that. Exactly. That's what the law says, according to this judge. And if Congress wants to change it, they're welcome to do so. It is a major legal blow to the Trump administration's expansion of offshore drilling. It could also affect Trump's attempt to cut the boundaries of national monuments that have been created by previous presidents. Republican Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski said the ruling, quote, could have catastrophic impacts for offshore development. Well, you know what? Offshore development could have catastrophic impact on Alaska. So, Uh, Maybe this is just fine. Trump also did an end run around the courts to jumpstart the controversial Keystone XL pipeline from Canada. In an unprecedented maneuver, Trump signed a new presidential memorandum authorizing the pipeline to cross the U.S.-Canadian border bypassing the normal permit process conducted by the State Department. The White House argues this new move emanates from Trump's sole authority as president and is therefore not subject to federal law. Environmental groups have pledged to sue, saying the maneuver sets a dangerous precedent in expanding presidential power over infrastructure. However, the Keystone XL pipeline is still mired in state court in Nebraska. You mean that thing hasn't been built yet? Donald Trump has announced that it's done about a dozen times. And we're back on that round again. I guess so. Meanwhile, Trump's nominee to head the Interior Department, former oil lobbyist David Bernhardt, former, blocked the release of a years-long study conducted by scientists at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that found three pesticides are so toxic that they, quote, jeopardize the continued existence of more than 1,200 endangered species. That's according to internal documents obtained by the New York Times. Bernhardt previously lobbied against the Endangered Species Act on behalf of the oil and chemical industries, but in his confirmation hearing late last week, when Democratic senators asked him if he would re accuse himself from decisions concerning his former clients, this was Bernhardt's response. I'm basically handcuffed uh, and not in the game for the American people if I'm not 
if I, if I am recusing myself. So my view is get in and be on the American team and, and win for the American team. So basically he's saying, and he actually says in this hearing, how skilled he is, how wonderful he is, and how it just doesn't make sense to handcuff him and keep him from using those skills, even if he's going to use those skills for the big oil companies who he worked for for years. And Bernhardt is headed for easy confirmation in the Republican-controlled Senate. Naturally. Finally, some good news. MSNBC's All In with Chris Hayes devoted a full hour to the Green New Deal resolution proposed by freshman Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts. The resolution is a framework for creating millions of jobs by fighting climate change. The town hall served to debunk some of the worst nonsense perpetuated by Republicans attempting to demonize the plan. Policy architect Rihanna Gunn-Wright explained the social justice component of the resolution. The Green New Deal ties together climate change and income inequality because the same types of investments that we're talking about in the Green New Deal to tackle climate change are the same investments we have needed to tackle income inequality from the very beginning. Ocasio-Cortez responded to those claiming that the Green New Deal would cost too much. She said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we first start by guaranteeing the pensions for retired coal miners? Sounds like a good idea to me. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Can you hear the death knell toll for old King Cole? Yes. Yeah. I can hear it. Can you hear? And Democrats were going to try to create some kind of transition fund for coal country. Hillary Clinton was. Right, but Republicans failed to allow them to do that. And yet the uh, chumps, dupes, suckers, patsies... Uh, and pawns uh, who voted for Donald Trump actually thought Hillary Clinton was going to hurt the coal industry or hurt the coal miners when she was trying to help them, whereas Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about the coal miners, but the coal industry, that's coal the companies. only thing. The company, that's what he's uh, he's trying to save. By the yeah. way, uh, I mentioned before we started, if you didn't hear that full story on David Bernhardt, you can uh, that we talked about earlier in the show. You can download it uh, this full show anytime for free at bradblog.com, along with all of our other shows that we have ever done, all for free. Uh, and that is made possible by folks like you who have stopped by bradblog.com/donate to not only help keep Desi and I on the air, but help keep bradblog.com up and running and our full archive available to all for free to share. Uh, my thanks to our producer today, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and I hope you'll find, follow, and share what we do here on the Facebooks and the Twitters, where you'll find me at the Brad Blog. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I hope. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs> <laughs>